old stories like long lost friends Rodeos and late night bends History before our time Round pens and pasture rides Cowboys of the Osage Okay, here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Cowboys of the Osage podcast, sponsored by the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum, located in historic downtown Pahuska, Oklahoma. Old Jimbo here, and you might notice Cody's missing today. Uh, he's a little under the weather, but we've got a good fill-in for him. We've got our old friend, Master Rawhide Braider himself, Mr. Jay Adcock. Jay? Good morning, and who we got with us today? Good morning to you, Jimbo. Fine Osage morning. We have uh, Domingo Hernandez from Miami, Florida, and Pablo Lozano from Argentina. Cool. Uh, Pablo's a uh, master rawhide braider, a lifelong braider, and Domingo is a uh, associate to the TCA, uh, Traditional Cowboy Arts Association, and I call him Pablo's agent. Is that is, is that correct, Domingo? Uh, it depends on the circumstances. I could be the secretary, or it could be his bodyguard, or a driver. Oh, yeah. I bet secretary. If he's secretary. making any money, you're his agent. Well, not quite uh, that far. Don't push it, Domingo. Mean, no money involved. <laughs> I'm lucky if I get a free cup of coffee. <laughs> but, as, but as well as his ties to, to Pablo, Domingo is a fine ambassador to the Traditional Cowboy Arts Thank you. Association, for sure. But uh, anyway, do you all want to start out, uh, get Domingo some questions? and Yeah, uh, Domingo, where were you born? And Well, I was uh, born in uh, Cuba in 1957, and uh, in 1964... Uh, we left our homeland and uh, came to the great United States of America, where we regained our freedom. You're, so you're forced out, or needed to leave for your freedom. You saw yes. it was going bad there. 1959, Fidel Castro uh, implemented a totalitarian regime, and uh, Cuba went under the uh, communist uh, uh, political system. Yeah, and you knew that. Your your mom and dad or whoever knew that you need to get away from that. They didn't want you raised in that environment. My parents were smart enough to uh, see the writing on the wall. So uh, after my got my dad uh, got uh, arrested and put in prison for having U.S. dollars, uh, which was legal currency at the mm -hmm. time in Cuba, the peso, Cuban peso, and the U.S. dollar traded uh, the same rate. Uh, he decided it was time to go. So uh, we, uh, like most uh, Cubans at that time, we went through Mexico because there were diplomatic relations, and we were on a holding pattern in Mexico for three months until we had the uh, legal status to arrive into the United States as Cuban refugees. So you couldn't just go straight to Miami from no, Cuba? No, 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 no. There were no diplomatic relations at the time uh, to fly into the United States. Later on, they opened the freedom flights, and a lot of Cubans uh, went to uh, or came to the United States, as well as the uh, 
Peter Pan program, which was mm-hmm. sponsored by the Catholic Church, where a lot of families uh, send their children abroad to uh, prevent them from serving in the Cuban military at the time. So you left a lot of family in, in Cuba? Uh, my grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody. And over time, many of them were able to uh, uh, come into exile. But uh, many died over there because they thought, like many of the Cubans from that vintage, that it was just a temporary thing, that people mm-hmm. were going to wake up and realize that that was not in the best interest of the Cuban people. But uh, it's been 63 years since that regime was implemented. And, uh, you know, the uh, millions of useful idiots all over the world that uh, still support that type of uh, political regime. Right. Was that a gradual transition? Like, did you, they introduce some socialism and to, from the socialism to communism, or was it a pretty abrupt change when Castro? Uh, Castro uh, accused uh, Fulgencio Batista, which was the president of Cuba at the time, to being a dictator. And uh, he came into power uh, with the support of a lot of people under the uh, impression that he was going to be the freedom fighter and he was going to uh, reestablish the uh, freedom and liberty for all. But uh, he just uh, lied to the Cuban people and the world, and uh, he changed the history of the world. Because uh, as soon as he implemented the totalitarian regime in Cuba, he started exporting uh, terrorists to uh, Africa, to Central America, and everywhere else, where you have seen all these hotspots, uh, like uh, it happened in, uh, back in the 60s in the African uh, uh, countries like uh, Angola and Congo and others, where a lot of those uh, Cubans were shipped over there to fight for no reason. Right. <clears throat> so you're a little boy in Mexico. How did you find your way to the United States? Uh, three months uh, uh, in Mexico, and my father was going to the American embassy on a regular basis uh, uh, trying to get the uh, visa so we can enter the United States. And uh, finally, I guess people got tired of uh, seeing him over there. And, uh, you know, he asked enough times and to the right people, until they grant us the, uh, the uh, visas. And uh, then we traveled to Miami. Different uh, to what it is uh, these days for a lot of these immigrants coming to the United States. Uh, we arrived in Miami and we have family at the time in Miami that were responsible. Uh, you don't get any handouts. I mean, you arrive and uh, you have to have a sponsor who was going to house you and take care of you until you get your feet on the ground and uh, start uh, fending for yourself. What did your dad do for a living? In Cuba, he he owned a hardware store that he had to relinquish to the uh, regime, the house, the... uh, business, the uh, vehicle, everything. Mm-hmm. When you uh, uh, express interest in leaving the country, you resign to everything you own. And uh, that at that time, it becomes the property of the uh, regime. And uh, in Puerto Rico, oh, from Miami, we went uh, to Puerto Rico because it was very similar. The climate, the language, and everything. My parents didn't spoke any English. So uh, my father had a sister that was uh, that had left uh, Cuba with her husband in '59, 
uh, he went through the University of Cuba. He knew Fidel, and uh, he knew that he was a uh, 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 Looney Tune. So uh, in fifty uh, in sixty four, when we arrived in Miami, we spent about a month in Miami. Miami, Florida, was not anything like it is today. Uh, and uh, we continue on to Puerto Rico, where mm -hmm. you know Cubans were welcome with open arms, and same climate, same uh, weather. Uh, conditions pretty much the language and everything my father went uh walking and by the time he got back to the house that afternoon he already had a job uh, working at a local hardware store that uh, he just stepped in and mentioned do you need any help but the next day <coughs> the next day he was up for work and you know from that day on till the day he died he never quit working uh his uh motto in life was uh honest work don't kill man so uh, you know do whatever you need to do Warn your uh, keep uh, honestly. Now that's interesting for sure. So you went up uh, high school, your education, Miami? Uh, no, I grew up in Puerto Rico for 23 years. I lived yeah. in, the, uh, in the island and uh, went to high school, went to the University of Puerto Rico, uh, joined the Air Force, uh, went, uh, went and uh, did active duty uh, at a reserve uh, outfit over there. And uh, when I was uh, working at the uh, Air National Guard base, the Secret Service uh, came into Puerto Rico during the Ronald Reagan uh, administration campaigning uh, for uh, George Bush, which was about to transition into power. And they used the air base as the hub for their operation and everything. I was in charge of the uh, security of the air base. So they met me, we uh, uh, established some uh, friendships, and uh, they invite me to join the Secret Service. And a uh, year, year and a half later, I got hired to start uh, in Miami, uh, the Miami field office of the United States Secret Service, and uh, did 27 years over there traveling all over the world. And uh, since I retired, I became Paolo's secretary, <laughs> chauffeur, and uh, bodyguard. How much training was there involved in the... Uh in the to, to be a member of the Secret Service, uh, the first uh, the first uh, step is uh, to go through the uh, process of uh, uh, selection process, which was very strict. Uh, a lot of my contemporaries were either law enforcement or military, and uh, then once you get the job offer, you go to the uh, uh, Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in Glencoe, Georgia. Where you spend about 18 weeks uh, learning from defensive tactics to firearms training to driving to uh, conducting investigations and everything on their scope of uh, jurisdiction of the federal government. And after you complete that phase, then you go to the Secret Service Academy in Beltville, Maryland, and you spend another 16 to 20 weeks, depending uh, what time of the year and what year you go through training because if there's a campaign which is going to happen every four years sometimes they interrupt the training and pull guys out as needed to augment in several visits so uh, after you finish your training formal training then you go to the field office and uh, you, when you really start learning on the field because you always try to team up with uh, some of your older agents in the office and those become your mentors and you learn you know 
the street tactics, the uh, how to conduct investigations, how to do the surveillances, the undercovers, and uh, everything else that uh, that it takes. Besides the fact the Secret Service is unique because you have the uh, responsibility of investigations. That's what the agency was created in 1865 by President Lincoln before he got assassinated. And subsequently, after uh, the death of President Lincoln, President McKinley, President Garfield, the Secret Service was assigned an additional duty to protect the president and their families. So this day, we only... We not only do the president and their families, but the vice presidents and foreign head of states. And when there is like major events, the Secret Service takes uh, the responsibility to be the lead uh, protective agency over there as well. Right. So, mm-hmm. And see, Jimbo, that's so I was under the impression that uh, the Secret Service just took care of the president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That means only one of the president. And now my main responsibility is to uh, keep Pablo <laughs> out of trouble. Pablo's bodyguard. Yeah. He needs one. Normally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you were, uh, I didn't realize that until visiting with you, you were talking about being stationed in different embassies in different con- countries. You travel. And, uh, the scope of the uh, uh, work is that whatever a president or vice president goes, there's going to be a, a team of uh, Secret Service uh, agents that will go ahead of time and prepare the uh, ground for the visit, and then everybody else comes along. I mean, you have numerous uh, uh, agencies that participate in one of those uh, <coughs> visits, international visits, because you have to take into account the President of the United States is probably the most important uh uh, elected official, and uh, sometimes you go to hostile environments oh, where yeah. you know uh, you have to take uh, uh, every every precaution to prevent uh, an international incident. Yes, sir. And didn't you tell me that you made it your whole career without having done holster your pistol? That's a blessing. Yes, sir. It was uh, the most important tool. It's the uh, ability to communicate, uh, diplomacy, and sometimes you can uh, de-escalate a situation just by uh, telling uh, people what to do and how to do it, and, you know, being, I mean, they choose to be a criminal, you choose to be on the other side of the fence as a law enforcement official, so, I mean, uh, they're not necessarily bad people, I mean, sometimes the people that we arrested were very crafty, like you guys are. But they took a different path in life. Instead of working with Rohite, they hmm. created counterfeit. And that's not acceptable. Right. So, uh, I mean, but they were very good at what they did. Oh, you and we had to be better than them to catch them. And, uh, you know, sponsor them into, uh, like I uh, told people when they asked me, what do you do? I says, I'm a, a travel consultant. And I sponsor people into vacation resorts. And uh, not quite sure, but... Uh, you know, sometimes they came to uh, the United States and spend uh, time in uh, one of our prisons here, or sometimes they spend time in their uh, host country uh, because uh, we were able to change rules in some of these countries where they punished the manufacturing, possession, and distribution of United States currency, which they don't see it as a problem, but uh, to us it was affecting. As soon as that currency gets into the United States, it affects the local economy. And uh, a craftsman like yourself, I mean, you sell something that it took you many, many hours of uh, 
to design, develop, and fabricate. And then when you get paid with counterfeit, you end up having problems with the law, besides the fact that you lost your goods and your, uh, your time, but also end up with uh, having problems with the law when you show up at the bank trying to deposit that counterfeit money. Right, right. Now, go ahead. Uh, I was just, were you ever signed to protecting the president? I started in 1986 under the administration of President Ronald Reagan, mm -hmm. and uh, I was assigned to the Miami field office, so I was not permanently assigned to the detail, but we augment the detail, and every time they travel, they bring people from all over. Because you have to take into account the Secret Service is a small agency, and always been. I mean, when I started, uh, we were about 1,300. Uh, nowadays, it's uh, shy of 3,000, but still a small Still small. Agency. And uh, so we have to uh, uh, request the assistance of local, state, uh, law enforcement, besides other uh, government agencies and federal agencies as well. And uh, whenever the president travels, I mean, it's a big production. Uh, if it's uh, traveling in the United States, it's easier because you can de depend on your assets and you know that they have the resources. If not, the military comes into play and they provide a lot of resources. When you're overseas, it's a complete different uh, uh, environment, and uh, you have to deal with whatever you can get. Uh, some countries like Argentina, where Pablo comes from, they have uh, a lot of resources. But uh, you go to a country like Haiti, uh, very limited uh, resources because they're poor countries. I mean, uh, uh, and, uh, you have to bring everything and uh, more just in case. That's very interesting. Um, what kind of firearm did you carry? Just curious. Uh, when we started, uh, I mean, they uh, issued the uh, revolver, Smith & Wesson Model 19, uh, 57, and we were carrying the submachine gun, the Uzi, uh, and the uh, uh, shotgun. Uh, over time, we transitioned from the revolver. 1986, there were some FBI agents that were killed in Miami. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Robbery. After that, the FBI started pushing to uh, provide their agents uh, better firepower, and they developed uh, a pistol. Uh, Smith & Wesson developed a pistol that, over time, was uh, uh, the reason why they developed the caliber that the Secret Service adopted, which was a 357 SIG. Mm -hmm. uh, we transitioned over time after all the testing and protocol to the SIG 226 and then the 229 and uh, 357 caliber. We started with a 9mm when they came up with a 357. Uh, the experts uh, determined that it was a better caliber for our duty uh, because it had the uh, energy upon impact, it had the velocity, and not the overpenetration that other calibers might have. So uh, remember, you could be sitting on an aircraft and you have to deploy your gun and uh, take care of uh, someone and uh, you cannot afford to have overpenetration over there. You can cause a serious uh, accident. So uh, the 357 has been uh, very good. Uh, after the Secret Service adopted that caliber, other law enforcement agencies throughout the United States adopted that uh, same caliber. And uh, the SIG is a very good uh, pistol with an excellent reputation. So it's like having life insurance. If you're going to buy a policy, you buy the best policy that you know is going to uh, be there for your loved ones. Uh, with the pistol, you have to buy the best one that you can afford. And the SIG was always good to us. I always heard, it's probably an urban legend, but like they 
had their coats tailored where they'd have little machine guns out there and nobody could see it. Is, is that? Uh, discretion is paramount. I mean, you don't right. want to be showing off. I mean, it's uh, you have to carry the uh, the equipment that you need, need. Uh, based on the uh, uh, mission that you're going to perform. But, uh, yes, you have to have, uh, you know, all the right tools for right. the occasion. Yeah. And, uh, Better to have too much and not enough. It, and practice. Yeah. I mean, practice makes perfection. And uh, when you uh, use some of those uh, uh, firearms, I mean, you get very quick at uh, deploying it and how to, uh, how to uh, use them. Uh, if you remember the incident where uh, President Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. was shot in mm-hmm. Washington, I mean, that was a matter of seconds. And, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he was loaded into the limousine and in his way to the, uh, to the hospital, and the uh, situation was uh, pretty much neutralized. Probably and saved they, his life throwing him in there like yes, that. Yes, indeed. I heard he was mad that they roughed him up, you know, threw him in there. He didn't know he'd been shot, you know. That, that was, uh, that was uh, a life-saving yeah. uh, decision by the uh, uh, team that was working him yeah. that day. Yep. I mean, if he, they've had wait uh, any longer than they did, yeah. he probably would not survive because yeah. even the doctors uh, had a rough time trying to pull that twenty-two caliber bullet. Yeah. Were there, in your opinion, or was there any mistakes made in that, or was that handled about as good as it could have been? The media uh, used to uh, publicize the uh, schedule of the pressing daily, and uh, if you give the edge to your uh, aggressor your adversary that's going to work against you so you have to have that uh, uh, option that you don't need to tell your enemy what you're going to do where you're going to be at at all times of the day and that was at the time a common practice uh, for the media to have the schedule of the president printed so if any looney tune like that guy or any of the many that had attempted to do anything against our elected officials uh, know where they're going to be. Uh, I mean, they can uh, work their way in a crowd and, you know, try to do uh, yes, sir. harm or hurt them. Right. Oh, you bet. Uh, I know you weren't working for them then, but uh, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, was Lee Harvey Oswald the lone shooter in Dallas? Uh, it's uh, a, a mystery. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's many theories, and uh, nobody really knows. I mean, uh which one of the many theories is the right one? Uh, he was the uh, fall guy. Right. Uh, I mean, and that's a way uh, he made history. Uh, but was he the only shooter? Nobody knows. I mean, uh, and I don't know. I'm I mean, you haven't even heard rumblings in this. No. no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not in the room of no, me. Right, okay, there no. you go. <laughs> No, but I we, thought we were going to break some scoop here. Yeah, yeah. We, we do know there's a lot more to the story. That right. Well, that tells us right, what he, how he answered that tells me all I need to know. <laughs> oh, you bet. Do, uh, what do you think, Jimbo? Would you like to, to get uh, Pablo's story and then catch up how they got together? Or, yeah, or do, yeah. Unless you got... No, no, well, that's we fine. We always go back and Yeah, you questions. bet. We jump around a lot anyway, but... Uh, I read somewhere you were like 15 years old when you got started rawhide breaking. Sí, yo empecé a los 15 años porque mi mi familia tiene campo, tiene un rancho desde hace seis generaciones atrás. Pablo started uh, uh, interested in the rawhide braiding when he was 15 years of age, <clears throat> due to his uh, family tradition. I mean, they've been on the ranching business in Argentina for six generations. 
Eh, cuando yo era chico me gustaba siempre estar al lado del gaucho, de la gente del campo, entonces empecé a ver ese, esa vida. When he was growing up, he was always hanging around the uh, gauchos on the uh, on the countryside, and he liked that lifestyle. Y la verdad es que a mí estudiar mucho nunca me gustó. He was never an advocate of studying. He was not a good Pero me student. gustaban las manualidades, las but, cosas con las manos. But he liked to work with his hands, and uh, he was very inquisitive. Y fue cuando conocí a mi mentor Luis Alberto Flores, un gran maestro de, de estas artes, ¿no? At the age of 15, he, he uh, He learned about Luis Flores and was uh, fortunate enough to meet him, and he became his mentor from that point in life. Y ahí es donde empecé a una relación con Luis, porque Luis, él no era muy muy buen soguero, pero fue un gran un gran maestro. Se ocupaba de de recopilar distintas técnicas y enseñarlas, transmitirlas. Uh, Don Luis Flores was not a good rawhide by his own account, but he was a master of communications. And he was able to uh, gather information and disseminate that information and instruct. Like Bruce Grant. Bruce Grant. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Similar. Similar yeah, Bruce was, Grant. I always Bueno, wondered. Luis Flores, uh, no uh, Bruce Grant. When, when uh, Bruce Grant went to Argentina, no Luis Flores. And Luis Flores uh, gave a lot of techniques from his book. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen that. That's y lo importante, lo importante de, de esa gente que en ese entonces nadie enseñaba, porque eh, What's important about that vintage and people like Luis Flores is that back in that time people were not very open about teaching others aspiring uh, uh, craftsmen. Y so, es una de las cosas que yo aprendí de Luis justamente es aprender y transmitir, que es parte de la de, de la de lo que la TCA también propone, ¿no? One of the uh, things that he learned from uh, Don Luis Flores is that you have to learn, develop your skills, but learn how to transmit your skills as well, and that's the mission of the, uh, the uh, TCA to help educate others. Oh, exactly. It, it was no different here, you know, when you got the You know, the very best rawhide braiders were mostly out of necessity, but they, and the horsemanship, say the vaquero, mm -hmm. they didn't give information away. Exactly. Same with the rawhide. It same. passed down from father to son. Exactly. You know, Ortega, perfect example. Exactly. In Argentina, the never, same. Never had a son, so he never did teach anything. The same. The same in Argentina. Luis Flores opened, opened the, the door. And, right. and learn, um, bueno, hubo otros más, ¿no? Pero yeah. Luis fue el primero que empezó. Luis, uh, Don Luis Flores was the pioneer. I mean, he opened the door and others follow his lead. Mm -hmm. uh, there were other good braiders that uh, helped, uh, you know, uh, apprentices and people that want to develop the skills. Bueno, y a partir de ahí yo entablé una relación que Luis me enseñó y después una relación de amistad, de casi diría de paternidad. Yo siempre lo nombro como mi como un padre para mí, ¿no? No solo he learned uh, braiding from Luis Flores, but he looked at uh, Flores as a father figure, and they they nurture a friendship that it was like a father and son type of relationship. Luis tenía la particularidad de eh, darse cuenta quién estaba interesado, entonces permanentemente desafiar a hacer una cosa nueva, y a mí eso me ponía siempre en desafío. Luis was very uh, observant. If he had a keen eye to see Uh, who was really interested and who was good at what they were doing and he was always challenging Pablo 
asking him to do different things to see if he was capable of doing it or at least planting the seed for him to go think about it and try to do uh, something better. Yo en ese entonces vivía en Buenos Aires porque estudiaba en Buenos Aires y cuando terminé el colegio y el servicio militar que era obligatorio, después me fui a vivir a Tandil porque yo estudiar no quería. At that time he was living in Buenos Aires going through college and then he did the uh, military service which was a requirement at the time in Argentina and after he complied with these uh, uh, regulations rules and regulations he moved into the countryside uh, where the ranch is where he lives today all right now in argentina i wonder uh pablo you know like like myself here there's a whole bunch of raw hybriders right here you know mm -hmm. and as a kid it's like i want to do that uh pregunta que si en argentina igual que aquí en estados unidos hay muchos hogueros pero están a un nivel y para un niño o un joven que quiere que aspira a aprender eh, que se estaban receptivos eh, bueno eso cuando yo era chico eh, había pocos había que acudir a un maestro porque no no, no había tantas facilidades when he was young there were not as many uh, breeders and facilities where hoy, you can go and learn hoy gracias a, la, a, la, a las medios eh, mucha gente está interesada y ha habido como un resurgimiento de, del gusto a estas nowadays uh, probably due to the, he attributed to the internet and the uh, vast amount of information that circulates, uh, no circulates. Todo, no todo está en internet porque pero sí lo ven y se pueden interesar no not everything is on the internet but at least you can Uh, watch and learn Pero si introducen, si introducen en ese momento, porque como decía Luis Flores, si todos tuviesen los libros, los maestros estarían de más. Yeah, Luis Flores had a say. They said if everything was published in a book, uh, teachers would not be necessary. Y no es así. Uh, y, hay, y hay mucho. Lo que sucede es que hay como dos tipos de gente que trabaja en cuero. Aquel que trabaja para hacer cosas eh, para venta de gente urbana, que pueden ser cinturones, pueden ser the, llaveros, pueden it's ser... Es el uh, uh, craftsman que hace ítems para la folks Uh, like uh, key fobs, uh, y después está, uh, belt y después está el, el soguero que en realidad el soguero tiene que hacer todo fundamentalmente las cosas que tienen que ver con el caballo no and then there is the real uh, horse uh, I mean the real uh, braiders that are more in tune with the tools of the cowboy trade I mean that do everything that it's necessary que, que es un the, uh, eso es un poquito más difícil eso es un poquito un poco más difícil porque ya ahí hay que saber preparar los materiales y hacer todo el proceso it's, y dar los conocimientos de It's a de different task, it's more challenging because you have to start by learning how to prepare your heights. You control the quality control when you prepare your own heights and your customer is normally your friend, so his life depends on the equipment or the gear that you built for him. Right. Oh, you bet. And uh I'm you use all your own heights. Prepara no. todos, todos. Los absolutamente yeah. todos. Yeah. He prepares sí. every one of the heights that he uses. Always cattle, steers, cows, horses. I mean, de bueno, de, de vacas, por supuesto, de ternero, de vacas, o sea, de vacunos de cualquier tipo. Según el estadio de cada animal, eh, se usa para ciertas cosas. Depending on the uh, type of uh, uh, equipment that he's going to build, he might use cow hides, he might use uh, calf hides, 
or uh, horse hides. Trato, trato de usar los cuelos que uso de vaca son los de mi rancho, los de, los de, de mi campo que son los que uso, pero a veces no me da abasto y tengo que recurrir a un frigorífico. The cow hides that he use are more than likely coming out of his own ranch. If he's running out of our hides, then he will have to go to the packing houses and try to procure Porque some hides. Lo, lo más divertido de preparar el cuero es cuando uno come la carne propia del campo. Yeah, the best part of uh, preparing your own hides is when you have the uh, pleasure of eating the beef that you produce at your place. <laughs> yeah, there there you go. Go. Y lo que pasa es que allá el, el, el cuero que usamos eh, tiene dos, dos formas, el cuero crudo como es acá y el cuero crudo sobado, que es una técnica distinta a la que se usa acá, en, en algunas cosas. There's two types of rawhide. It's a rawhide like you know here in the United States, which is uh, one type of rawhide And then there is the other type, which is the softened rawhide or cowhide, which is uh, like the knife sheath, mm-hmm. where, where you exactly. achieve that texture by pounding the leather or, or the hide with a wooden mallet. Y que queda como leather, queda blando como leather. And it feels like leather. It has the texture of leather, but there's no chemicals involved in that process. It's just brute force. Exacto. Y, y entonces, en lo que es cuero crudo, usamos igual que acá. Ahora, lo que es cuero sobado... Son muy buenas las razas británicas porque son más fáciles de sobar. To prepare the, uh, the uh, softened cowhide, uh, they like or they prefer the English breeds. Sí. Uh, they seem to have a better texture after they're prepared. Y en mi caso yo tengo un pequeño rodeo de Shorthorn, que es la, he, la raza que me gusta más, ranch, Paul Hereford. He has Paul a Hereford. Shorthorn and uh, Paul Hereford, and he likes to work with those hides. Y en cuanto al cuero de caballo, allá es tradicional. Yo sé que acá no es tan tradicional, ahora se empezó a usar, pero no es que matamos los caballos para sacarle cuero, sino que los caballos que se accidentan o que hay que certificarlos o simplemente se mueren. Eh, yo ya tengo un grupo de amigos y de veterinarios que cuando tienen un caso de esos, este, me traen el cuero o yo voy y le quito el cuero y lo, pre- lo preparo. En Argentina es uh, común usar uh, They don't kill horses just to get the hide. But they have a pool of uh, veterinary doctors and uh, ranchers and friends that uh, have uh, uh, horse farms. And when a horse gets uh, injured or dies, mm-hmm. uh, normally they save the hides for them or they call ahead of time and they can uh, take that hide off the creature. I'm glad you cleared that up. That's kind of a touchy subject here in the United States, you know. Dice que es un tema un poco susceptible aquí en los Estados Unidos. Sí, pero pasa así porque, pero porque no lo entienden. Nosotros no es que matamos los caballos para eso. It's 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 important that uh, you clear, uh, clarify. They don't kill horses mm-hmm. just for the hides. Yeah. I mean, the horses are those that are going the heights that they use are from horses that they were going yeah, right. to be destroyed inclusive, inclusive pasar mm-hmm. algo parecido acá cuando por ejemplo el cabo guarda las cerdas de un caballo entonces para recuerdo entonces es muy mucha, es muy común que un hombre que ya tiene un buen caballo haya usado el cuero para hacer algunas cosas como recuerdo de un caballo uh, along the same lines of uh, cowboys that uh, uh, preserve the horse hair uh, of a good uh, uh, mount Uh, to do something with it later on. Uh, the, in the gaucho culture, it's good to save the horse hide of that good horse that you had and later on made something out of it that remembers 
you know, in memory of sí. that, de, todo, de todas maneras, de todas maneras el 90% del cuero que usamos allá los, los trenzadores, el 90% o más, es de vaca. Yeah, but 90% of the uh, uh, rawhide uh, goods that he uh, makes, uh, they're made with uh, cowhide. Los finitos para costuras, eso the horsehide para... has uh, the uh, best application is for buttons and fine uh, work. Pero el 90 because it has a tensile vaca. strength or more tensile strength, better tensile strength than the uh, cowhide. Pero ya, ya acá, con esto de, de que... Bueno, cuando vinimos Armando de Ferrari aquí a conocerlos a la TCA y después fuimos miembros, eh, ha habido como un intercambio y medio se está rompiendo eso, inclusive muchos sogueros ya están empezando a usar eh, el cuero de, de caballo para ciertas cosas, como ellos aprendieron de nosotros, nosotros también aprendimos muchas técnicas de ellos. Ever since his, uh, Pablo traveled to the United States the first time with his uh, uh, friend Armando de Ferrari, Uh, for as a uh, guest of the uh, Traditional Cowboy Arts Association and the National Western Heritage Museum, they did a, a presentation over there, and they kind of break uh, the uh, ice or the barrier about this uh, horsehide. Uh, and now you see more and more of the uh, crapman here in the United States using the uh, horsehide. Yo creo que, que Jay tendría que probarlo y dejar un poquito de leather, entonces un poquito <laughs> yeah. más. Uh, Pablo uh, feels like uh, Jay uh, should uh, try the uh, horse ah. ride, and that way he don't have to uh, braid with leather. ¿Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, if, if I may add, it's interesting that uh, several... <laughs> Several years ago, we had a friend uh, that uh, came uh, from Australia, and he plants. Uh, they, the Australian braiders, uh, they're referred to uh, the braiding process as plaiting. And the Australian, Neil Harvey, very good uh, uh, craftsman, uh, he came to Oklahoma, and he attended one of the TCA workshops, and he was subsequently invited by Armando and Pablo mm -hmm. to travel to Argentina and visit their shops and learn. And he went and spent almost a month over there I, and I learned how to them. prepare the horse hides. When he went back to Australia, he prepared the uh, kangaroo hides the same way he mm -hmm. learned uh, the preparation process for the horse hides. Bueno, poco historia. Entonces, poco, yo llegué a volver a la historia, ¿no? Llegué, a, seguí trabajando solamente en, en cuero crudo y hice mi carrera en Tandil con, con cuero crudo. Fui de poco creciendo y después participé en muchos concursos que se hacen allá en Palermo, que se hacían, que los organizaba Luis, del el premio Huasquero okay. y, y ahí conoces mucha gente, ¿no? Over time, Pablo worked uh, uh, in Tandil uh, as a rawhide braider, a full-time rawhide braider, and was evolving into a, a better and bigger uh, uh, braider uh, with... Uh, Uh, name recognition after he won several uh, uh, awards at the national uh, level at the Sociedad ahí, Rural Argentina. Y ahí, eh, estando en la Sociedad Rural Argentina, en uno de esos concursos fue cuando, bueno, fuiste vos con, con Lilan Hesley y los conocimos porque Lilan quería ir. It was in uh, 2002. I traveled with a friend and uh, fellow member of the Traditional Cowboy Arts Association, Leland Hensley from Texas, 
to Argentina because Leland, uh, when we first met, expressed that he was a rawhide braider and he wanted to visit Argentina. At the time, I was traveling to Argentina on a regular basis for work, and I told Leland, we can do that. I can, I can help you out. So I started doing the research, and through a friend uh, in uh, Buenos Aires, I learned about Pablo and Armando, when was the best time to travel. So in 2002, during the uh, National Stock Show, ahí, we went over there. Y ahí fue cuando Lilan nos conoció, eh, habló con los, la gente de la TCA, ya Lilan era miembro de la TCA, y nos propusieron que fuéramos con Armando en do, a los dos años a una mesa redonda donde iba a haber eh, distintos hogueros del, del mundo. Uh, Lilan had the opportunity to meet Don Luis Flores, Armando, Pablo, and many other rojas braiders from throughout Argentina that were there during that two-week period. And uh, upon returning to the United States, he conveyed his experiences to the Traditional Cowboy Arts Association membership and encouraged them to invite uh, the Argentine friends to the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum to do a, a seminar. Uh, the following year, we traveled to Argentina with Nate Walt claro. and Leland and kind of a uh, Uh, enhanced the relationships uh, and met more people and kind of solidified the invitation. And in 2004, Pablo and Armando came to Oklahoma. So, so we can blame Pablo on Leland? Uh, pretty much so. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're brothers from different mothers. Or <laughs> <laughs> so they claim. Y este, bueno, vinimos con Armando, hicimos esa, esa mesa redonda. A mí me interesó mucho la, la, la TCA por cómo estaba organizada. Me parecía una gran oportunidad para hacer un, un intercambio. Pensamos que íbamos a volver y pasaron dos años que no, no hubo noticias. Vinimos a otra exposición en Elco Nevada que nos invitaron a hacer una exposición, pero la TCA quedó ahí. After that uh, initial invitation by the TCA, uh, Leland and Nate traveled back to Argentina, but they never received another invitation to return to the United States until 2006. Yo había quedado muy presionado con la TCA. When uh, they invited us to go to El Conevada for the by the Folk Life Center, but Pablo oh, yes, was sir. very uh, very impressed by the people that he met in Oklahoma. And all the talented uh, craftsmen. La oportunidad uh, de hacer un intercambio, ¿no? And the opportunity to have an exchange of uh, bueno. techniques, information. Uh, la cuestión que un, en uno de los viajes que Nate después vuelve a Argentina con Lilan, yo le pregunté a Nate cuál era el impedimento para que yo y Armando, o Armando, siendo argentinos, eh, pudiésemos eh, aplicar para pertenecer a la TCA. Subsequently, uh, when Nate and Leland uh, traveled back to Argentina, Pablo asked him, what would be the... Uh, uh, Impedimento. You know, uh, it will be any impediment for him to apply as a foreign national to become a member of the Traditional Cowboy Arts Association. Entonces, él, él preguntó, le preguntó, pues que quedaban pensando, y dijo, ninguno, porque es internacional. De hecho, hay canadienses. Yeah, then uh, they respond there's no problem i mean we have canadians already as inclusive members. uno de ellos es francés citizen americano pero francés and, and there's also a frenchman that is a us citizen el único impedimento es que nosotros mm. si pasábamos a eso podíamos usar nuestras técnicas pero debíamos aprender porque era traditional cowboy the, the requirement was that if they were to be accepted into the traditional cowboy arts association 
they can use the techniques, but they have to make the tools of the cowboy trade, yeah, yeah, right. because it's the American uh, y cowboy. Ahí, y ahí empezó el proceso donde represent. tuvo que aprender un montón de, de, de la de los usos, si bien son parecidos al gaucho, tienen ciertas From that time on, he has to start uh, researching and learning because even though the tools are somewhat similar, everyone's specific to a, a task. Oh, yeah, a yeah, little, little different. Different. There's always a... And I want to ask Pablo too, because it's uh, relating back to myself. When I first started braiding, you know, I was 15 when about 15 started braiding and seeing stuff and leather or horsehide <laughs> <laughs> all right all right okay yeah, yeah I, had, i had to work my way up to leather okay, 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 so, okay. So, but anyway it's like you're a kid you know learning to braid you know if i can get to where i can just make a make a rieta cuando él empezó igual que tú a los 15 and, años a aprender a, a hacer los trabajos de soga pero él estaba siempre impresionado por las reatas. Las reatas, sí. And then, and then, you know, you get to do that. You think you're pretty good, you know, sí, and then you see some exacto. other stuff. Like, I can't do sí, anything. Sí. You know, and you learn to do that. You get up that next level, and, and then you see something else. Like, no, I still don't know how to break claro. it. And there's so many people, and I didn't know to work them with uh, students mm -hmm. the last five, six years. Claro. That, that I really started being able to do that work with other people but everybody they kind of got that impression like you were outstanding like you got a gift from god god that you just all of a sudden were a great braider and that's not the case ah, pero esa es educación no es cierto yeah, eso justamente la, las las exposiciones las las asociaciones como estas inclusive hoy en día las las, las medios los medios este, electrónicos ayudan a que a educar a la gente para que sepan diferenciar lo que es una pieza bien hecha o una pieza que recién empieza okay. ¿no? education helps you as a, a craftsman of any discipline to evolve and get better and the more exposure you have to other craftsmen in that particular trade the better you're going to get at when you teach you learn and right. nowadays with the uh, with the media uh, it also helps because uh, you can watch uh, different people from different parts of the world Uh, perform their uh, trade and I mean uh, learn always learn something different something new or uh, implement some of those techniques mm -hmm. into your work well, yeah and I, I just think it's important for young people or anybody interested just starting out that you're not either just good or you're not and people will say oh you know you've got a gift from from God I said no I got the gift from God desire Dedication and determination. Hay personas que no entienden y le dicen que él tiene un que Dios lo él es privilegiado que Dios le ha dado un talento. Pero dice no no lo que hay que tener es determinación. Work. Yeah, it is work, and you've got to you've got to start and work your way. Sí, bueno, hard work and determination. Hay todo todo tiene tiene un proceso como como las los medios electrónicos son buenos para difundir tienen partes que no son tan buenas porque la gente hoy hay una los jóvenes piensan que todo tiene que ser inmediato, todo tiene que saberlo ya y todo sí. tiene que ser ya. Y no, esto lleva procesos de experiencia para darse cuenta sí. cuál es mejor. La media, la media ha sido helpful to train people, but the media is also uh, uh, two-edged sword because people think that sometimes it needs to happen right away. And this uh, craft, like other craft, 
it takes time. It takes a lot of repetition. It takes a lot of years of learning and uh, to develop that, uh, that skill level that you need to uh, produce a good quality gear. Yo siempre, digo, yo siempre digo que la, el mejor maestro es el cuchillo. O sea, que hay que cortar lo que uno piensa que está mal hecho. ¿no? En Pablo's uh, uh, mindset, the best uh, friend and the best the, tool the teacher. is the, the, teacher. Uh, the knife, a sharp knife. When you do something that is not uh, doesn't meet your expectation, just cut it and throw it away. Oh, you bet. And here is, I uh, see if Pablo agrees or disagrees, but I feel like the minute that I think that I am mucho bravo, I can't get any better, <laughs> you're done. There's an old saying from Martin Fierro, an old gaucho from Argentina. Every rawhide braider is going to find a better one along his path in life. Right. And, and I like, uh, or, uh, which I didn't realize, I always felt that way myself. Like I could, you, everything you make, you look at, you know, ah, we could have done this, we could have done that, exactly. you know, a little better. And uh, after being, uh, you know, a member of the traditional cowboy arts for just a year and a half, two years, it's like these guys think the same way. Yep. Every one of them. Dice que él pensaba que ya él estaba a un nivel donde él trabajaba bien. Pero ahora cuando se, y a veces era crítico o muy crítico de su propio trabajo, pero desde que se incorporó a la TCA, ahora él se da cuenta que él no es el único que piensa de esa forma. Claro. Que hay muchos otros artesanos que comparten esa... Claro, esa y, y lo bueno de, de esas asociaciones es justamente eso, ver el otro, aprender del otro o comparar, a ver, ver lo que hace bien, entonces uno... Eh, por propia emulación empieza a crecer porque dice esto hizo cómo hizo esto Entonces, the virtue of an organization like the TCA is that it gives you the opportunity to exchange ideas and techniques and information with others uh, with a similar mindset and it's like going to a cafeteria you look at the menu there's things that you're going to like and there's others that you don't care for but from every one of those uh, interactions be a workshop be a a seminar, you will learn something. You will take something back to your shop with you. Oh, absolutely. And you also learn to be very tough critic of your own work, you know, which... Sí, tú eres el peor crítico de tu sí. propio trabajo. Sí. Yeah, you're going to be your own worst critic, but at the same no time... No todo el mundo piensa así, eh? At the same time, you have to acknowledge that there's going to be people out there that they think they are the... Uh, the uh, best of the, the best yeah. and uh, they're at the pinnacle of their, uh, of their career and that's a big mistake because when you assume that uh, mm -hmm. mindset you're not going to learn anything from anybody else that's right you got one way to go downhill yeah. y aparte yeah. esto independientemente que es un trabajo en mi caso no en mi caso si yo eh, cualquier trabajo que hago no tengo un desafío no me divierte si no me divierte dejo de ser lo que dejo de eh, hacer las cosas bien Pablo doesn't like to do repetitive work he likes to be constantly challenged by his own self or his customer base his client base right. his friends which uh, you know they ask him to do something well he takes the idea he takes the challenge desafío. and uh, he has to come up with uh, 
way to make what they ask him to do uh, first to be functional, to have the high appeal, and to have the strength to be used, regardless if it's going to be going to a museum or it's going to be used by a, by a gaucho or a cowboy or someone, another stockman. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I get that all the time myself, you know, like a Rietta. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a half four, half eight, just four, you know, or you made a really nice one. You're like, can you use that? And I said, well, I, I refuse to make one you can't. Sí, sí, use, sí. You know. Sí, sí. No, yeah, después, hay, después hay una parte de la gente que, por ejemplo, el show de la TCA, hay una parte que no la ven, los, los clientes no la ven, piensan que uno hace una cosa, en mi caso, lo de siempre, ¿no? Y que ya está y quedó lista. Yeah, uh, when you go to an event like the one that uh, we're going to the museum, uh, uh, there's going to be customers over there that uh, they don't know, or they don't know what it takes to bring that uh, piece into fruition. Yeah, they think that the first time you attempted to do it, no. it was just un ejemplo, done. Un ejemplo, oh, de eso, yeah. un ejemplo de eso es, por ejemplo, yo llevé ahora una reata a la TCA, que le había pedido una onda a Wilson Capron hace dos años, tres años. Yeah, the uh, reata that he made for this year's uh, TCA show, it's been a work in progress for the last three years since he got the Honda from uh, Wilson Capron. ¿Qué pasó? En estos dos años, intenté hacer lo que yo quería que fuera para el show, y por supuesto que... Y yo veía que no era una reata que tuviese una yo. Así que pasaron dos reatas que las tuve que tirar o las usé para otras cosas. Para made, Hasta que logré before, esta, que es la que creo que está acorde para ir a... Prior to fabricating or making this one, he made two other reatas, but they did not meet his uh, criteria for a piece deserving to be at the Porque museum. Porque tiene la responsabilidad so, que mucha gente va a ver eso y, 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 y tiene que hacer lo mejor que puede, ¿no? You have to be responsible and you have to bear in mind that there's a lot of people that are going to travel through that exhibit hall uh, from here until it's uh, taken down. So you represent the TCA. You yeah, represent your trade. Tenemos que tener la responsabilidad que mucha gente que nos va a estar mirando con una lupa. Yeah, and there's going to be people that are going to be bringing a loop or a magnifying glass over there. <laughs> oh, and sure. uh, they're going to be... Uh, wondering, well, why is this guy deserving of having Después a piece here hacer the muchas piezas para uso que sabemos que va a ser fuerte, que yo, pero no, no tiene, tiene que ser lo mejor que podemos, ¿no? Yeah, when you're making something that is going to be on the TCA uh, exhibition and sale, and it's going to be uh, photographed and published on the catalog, you have to try to do the best you can. I mean, and it's always a challenge because uh, you never know how that uh, rawhide is going to react. I mean, and the rawhide will dictate the application. Oh, yeah. You don't force the rawhide to yeah. do something. But it's that philosophy, which I think about it all the time, is you're going to see your work again, even if it's just for a customer, mm -hmm. you know, somebody yes. showing Hackamore horses yes. or even just starting colts on the ranch. That piece of work is going to come back around. If there's something in there that you wish wasn't there, you better fix it right mm. now because... Yeah. Dice que tienes que estar consciente que más tarde en la vida te vas a tropezar con algunas de esas piezas que has hecho. Y va a los errores. Exactamente. Y él agrees with you. I mean, if it's not right, should not put them out of your shop. You'll think it's hit out on the rancho somewhere, you know, and then somebody like Pablo come through there and say, hey, you do this. Shame on you. Uh, oh, how's, how big is Argentina? Is it Texas size or bigger or smaller? 
Uh, Argentina is the eighth largest country in yes. the world. So it's quite a bit bigger than Texas. Yes, yes sir. Yes, yes, yes. Even though Texans uh, think that they think everything's bigger, yeah. everything is bigger. <laughs> yeah. In Argentina, everything is big too, but they Pero are the eighth que, largest country in the world. Decirle cuando yo vengo acá a Estados Unidos. Sé que siempre hay rivalidad en los distintos estados, pero me siento más identificado con los tejanos. Yeah, there is a lot of rivalry. Every time he travels to the United States, he has noticed that there is a lot of rivalry between the states. But uh, because his first contact was with Leland, a Texan, and Yo me siento más uh, he traveled to Texas more often than any other place, he feels very comfortable in una the vez, Great Republic of Texas. Una vez en la, te cuento todo lo que traducís. Eh, una vez en la TCA se hacían un chiste entre Nate, que es de Montana, a los, no sé qué chiste le hacía a los tejanos. Entonces Leland sabía que yo me siento tejano. Entonces Leland se enojó y le dijo, cuidado Nate, acá hay tres tejanos en la asociación. Entonces yo lo miro a Leland y le digo, Leland... Yeah, there was a, a conversation between Leland, uh, which is from Texas, and Nate Walt, which is from Montana. And they were arguing because they both claimed to have the best state in the great United States of America. And then Leland said, hey, be careful what you say because you're outnumbered. There's three Texans here and there's only one of you from Montana. And Pablo winked an eye to Leland and said, no, 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 there's four of us Texans here. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have a traditional rodeo in Argentina? Yes, sí, decirle que sí, hay, hay, hay distintos, son distintos, allá se hace mucho lo que se llama la jineteada, que podría ser el, el, bueno, el bronco acá. It's, a, it's an event uh, somewhat similar to the bronc riding here in the United mm -hmm. States, it's called jineteada. Sí, no, se, no, no es tradicional allá, si bien se hace en algunos lugares, no, no se hace, el del toro no es tan tradicional. But there's no bull riding in Argentina. Pero sí el, el, el del caballo y en distintas formas de montar, por ejemplo, o en pelo, que sería asignada en una montura, con la grupa, que es una para, como un soporte que se pone acá al frente de grupa, con el recado completo, hay distintas modalidades del caballo. Yeah, and when you're riding the Bronx, there is a bareback uh, bronc riding, and then there is a one that you use... Uh, what they use, which is their type of saddle, which is totally different to the. Uh, y después hay, y después hay concursos tanto de, de, de pruebas de caballos en distintas razas, como puede ser acá el cuarto de milla. There's also the uh, reining competition. uh, type competitions and, and uh, competition that is somewhat like the uh, ranch rodeo competitions that they do here in the United States. Pero, eh, yo cuando vine, cuando vine por primera vez acá a Estados Unidos, yo pensé que me iba a encontrar con muchas cosas diferentes, a pesar de la barrera idiomática, ¿no? Yeah, when he first traveled to the United States, he thought there was going to be a lot of difference between the United States and Argentina, but despite the uh, language barrier, I mean, embargo, there's a lot more similarities. Sin embargo, cuando llegué y cuando lo conocí a Lila, a Lila y a Nate, y cuando fuimos al, al rancho de Nate y vivimos con Armando unos días ahí, vida de campo, como lo hacía yo en Argentina. Yeah, when they first traveled to the United States in 2004, I mean, in, uh, no, when they travel here in 2008, when they apply to the TCA, uh, be uh, uh, aspiring members, uh, they went uh, to Montana with Nate, and they spent uh, some time living over there at uh, me, the Walton Ranch. Y me empecé a dar cuenta que el gaucho y el cabo son muy parecidos, y and empecé a pensar por qué. There's a lot of similarities between the gaucho and the cowboy. Uh, y empecé a, ver las, empecé a ver las similitudes. El gaucho es las soledades, el caballo las grandes distancias y las vacas. Yeah, in the gaucho culture uh, and the cowboy culture, I mean, they have the passion for the horse, the uh, livestock, the, las soledades, the, the, taking care of the livestock, the solitude. Y I las mean. vacas. And uh, 
And uh, it's very similar. I mean, you take care of the livestock. Y si bien tenemos diferencias idiomáticas, la la esencia del gaucho y del cowboy para mí son exactas. Despite the language barrier, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, they all exactas. pretty much uh, have the same is mindset. There, is there any rodeo on a professional level? Uh, no, no. Eh, eh, a media, sí. La, las competencias, las competencias de las razas sí son son profesionales, pero en los rodeos. Se da un premio, pero no es tan grande como acá, no es tan... There's livestock shows, but there's no such thing as like the professional rodeo association. Hay, like hay, allá el, el rodeo, el, el, la jineteada más grande que hay es una que se hace en, en Córdoba, que se llama Jesús María, y otra que se hace en Corrientes, pero si la comparamos con los montos de dinero que se usan acá y demás, no son... The, the two biggest events will be uh, Brock uh, Ridings in Córdoba, and uh, Corrientes, but uh, there's never the amount of money that they uh, put as a right. purse in one of Allá these se más los huesos y la plata que ganan. Yeah, they, just... they break more bones than uh, earn money. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Jimbo, you, and I think that's what you're talking about, the bronc riding where they snub them to the post. Yes. The, I've seen that on YouTube. Oh, they've got pretty wild. I've seen some wild rides. Yes, yes. Now, what about your uh, your roping? Is it a, el enlace? Eh, el, el, competencias de enlace se hacen, en realidad, se hace como... Hay dos, dos, dos usos. El que se hace en el campo, por ejemplo, que se hacen las yerras, que es la, yeah. la marcación. There's two types of uh, uh, roping. One uh, is when uh, you're the, en algunos doing campos, branding and then you're doing it for work. Algunos campos lo hacen por tradición, lo siguen eh, usando como tradición en vez de usar la manga. Because ¿no? there are some ranches that they still adhere to the traditional ways of uh, En otros campos cow. obligadamente lo tienen que hacer, que están muy alejados, lo tienen que hacer la forma tradicional. And there's places where vast amounts of property where they're in open range. Allá una, una de las tradiciones es diferente a Acá, la tradición más grande, por ejemplo, para voltear los terneros es de a pie, o sea, de a pie, y se lo piala, se lo piala de las manos al, yeah. caba one, al caballo o al ternero. One significant difference between the uh, way they rope in Argentina and here in the United States, that uh, when they're working calf, they, uh, they uh, rope on foot and they throw to the front legs. And then it's what they call pialar. The four-footer. Y también se hace de caballo a la cabeza y se lleva. And then you can also have places where they do it uh, on horseback and then they... Pero no uh, es, no es tradicional como acá, que por ejemplo hemos estado juntos en, 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 ¿cómo se llama? En las sierras de acá y que acá agarran de la cabeza y después vienen y agarran de las patas. Yeah. Eso it's, no it's es not like no uh, he witnessed here where you go into a branding like we done at Nate's uh, when we've been guests over there. And they have the uh, hit, uh, Heather and uh, Lo que sí, lo que sí, allá en Argentina se mantiene mucho más la tradición de, si bien ahora empezaron a usar algo de poli, se usa el 95% de la gente usa los lazos, ya sea torcidos o trenzados, de roja. En Argentina, es uh, 95% of the uh, people that are roping going to use rawhide uh, riadas, either twisted or braided, but uh, poli. Uh, it's not uh, traditional. They tie on the, the back of your side. Exacto, decirle que se lleva acá atrás. El eh, no usamos el cuerno. El la presilla o el conector va enganchado a una argolla acá a la cincha. The rig doesn't have a horn, so you're gonna have a, 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 a connector tied up to the cinch. 
Have you seen that, Jimbo? No, I haven't. Entonces, eh, acá ustedes eh, agarran y van a tocar caballo, van a cortando. Allá se enlaza de caballo, entonces uno, una vez que lo, lo agarra de la cabeza, empieza a, a, a abrirse con el caballo para que no haya un tirón de, yeah, de repente. La gran diferencia es que aquí te atras y te atras tu dali y luego mantienes la criatura. Right. Over there, you rope, and then you start working that distance with the horse. So like there's uh, uh, the horse like is going to no? break the speed of the uh, creature that you rope, and you know, uh, stop them. The problem, you're stopping them gradually yeah, instead gradually. of letting your rope, your dallies run, yeah. like you would with the Rieta here. El, el, el tiene tiene un grado más de dificultad el tema de peligro porque si uno por ejemplo enlaza uno y el, el lazo se llega de las patas o alguna cosa así es un poco más peligroso pero en esos casos uno recurre o a sacar el conector que es un poco difícil o directamente sacar yeah, el cuchillo y cortar hay un cierto riesgo factor ahí porque puedes siempre tangle up the uh, riata into the horse's legs pero eso uh, es cuando comes handy to have a sharp uh, knife and then you just got it what is the uh, you see the argentine riatas The rawhide has another piece braided on. Ah, yeah. eso sí. Eh, la última parte del lazo nosotros le llamamos yapa. Yeah, that's the last uh, probably uh, más o menos una segment of the, no? uh, of the riata. It's called, be called yapa. 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 Es una trenza que está anexada al lado. Es un poquito más gruesa. It's going to add uh, strength to the riata. Que tiene dos funciones. Una es que sea más, eh, más pesada entonces cuando uno tira el lazo el lazo va más lejos porque en ese sentido después viene la yapa que son más o menos dos metros An arm plane. y después viene el lazo eso tiene dos funciones. Uno, que sea un poquito más pesada, porque el, el tipo de tiro de lazo en Argentina es más parecido a los californios. Yeah, the way that they Muy similar a los californios. Con las armadas grandes, big loop y lejos. With big loop ¿no? and long, long Y después, la segunda función de la yapa es que como se usa la argolla de fierro, es muy común que ahí se desgaste más. Entonces... Cuando se gasta la yapa, se cambia solamente ese tramo. And the other function is that because you're using that metal ring, there's going to be more wear and tear on that segment of the uh, oh, riata. Yeah. So once it's uh, worn se out, just cut it and build up the uh, yapa back to where you cut, and then you have, uh, you know, shorter riata, but a good, useful riata. Have you seen those, Jimbo? No. They get, yeah, they just kind of fasten nah, together right. an extra section. Más o menos dos metros. Six foot? Sí, yeah. six foot. Okay. Six foot. It's like a separate mm -hmm. part of the Rieta and got the a little, a little bigger. ¿Eh? Yeah, it's going to increment por ejemplo, the diameter. Por ejemplo, en un lazo, en un lazo trenzado de cuatro tientos, la yapa es de seis. Okay, like in a four-strand Rieta, the yapa is going to have six strands. Okay, I've seen that. Yes, sir. But I tell you what, Jimbo, a lot of people don't realize that That Argentina, how far it is from north to south. Exactly. Like South Argentina is nearly to the South Pole. Well, what's, yeah, what's the climate like? ¿Cómo es el clima? Y bueno, allá tenemos lo mismo acá. Como es un país muy largo, tenemos el inversamente acá. En el norte 
es seco, como es el sur seco acá, y en el sur es frío con nieve, como es el norte acá. Because they are in a different hemisphere, it's going to be opposite to the United States. The northern part is going to be the dry and arid, like uh, the southern part of the United mm -hmm. States. As you travel Pero south, tenemos todos los climas, cold, tenemos, igual que en Estados Unidos tenemos todos los climas. Yeah. Es un país grande, es el octavo it, país en territorio más grande del mundo. Big, uh, country, the in the world. <laughs> no es muy ancho como es Estados Unidos, pero sí es muy largo. It's not as wide as the United States, but it's narrow and long. Yeah. There's nothing tropical in Argentina, no tropical. No, hay un clima tropical. En el norte sí. En el norte, en el norte, eh, lo que da, no, no, eh, lo que da eh, tropical es lo que da contra Brasil y Uruguay, al, al, lo que es la Mesopotamia, que son las provincias de Misiones y Corrientes, eso es tropical, yeah, the, bastante uh, tropical. The uh, area that borders uh, Brazil and Paraguay, they will have a tropical or subtropical climate, Misiones uh, area, and it's more wet. Uh, sí, muy húmedo, muchos humedales, mucho, mucha There's going to be wetlands, there's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of uh, wet uh, country in that part. Right. Por eso que, como pasa acá, el gaucho en, en Argentina hay muchos tipos de gaucho, mucho, muchos est estilos distintos. Lo que es del norte, si bien el, el amor al caballo y el uso, pero los usos son distintos, los materiales yeah. que usan son distintos con un lugar seco o con un lugar eh, frío. Claro, frío. Yeah, depende. Depending on uh, where the gaucho comes from in Argentina, it's going to be like the cowboy here in the United States. I mean, if he's from the northern part, it's going to be more dry and arid. Uh, he's going to use different uh, tools. Uh, as you go into the wet, uh, bueno, into wet montaña, area, I mean, they're going to uh, change. And then when you're going down south where it's very cold, uh, the gear change again. Now, is it the same as it is in the United States where, you know, you... Comparing Texas and Montana, you know, Texas, we're bravo. Montana, we're bravo. Same way. Sí, sí, lo mismo. Lo mismo. O como puede ser los los que están en Miami que tienen mucha humedad, entonces usan otro tipo de materiales porque si no se echa. You have to relate, like, and he has a good valid point. Like for us in Florida, I mean, the Florida cow hunters, they have to deal with constant humidity. So, uh, I mean, uh, like back in the day, the cow whips that they used to uh, herd uh, um, flossy animals out of some of those wetlands used to be made out of buckskin. Now they're made out of uh, nylon, the parachute cord, uh, because, I mean, it's pretty wet and uh, the moisture is ejemplo, the enemy el, of raw. For example, in the province of Corrientes, there is a lot of humidity. So, they used a lot of leather. Uh, más que el roja y porque era más duradero. Ya yeah, en corrientes, because it's so wet, they tend to use more leather than rawhide. Ahí podría tener muchos clientes. El... <laughs> you could be very successful. You would have a large clientele base over there if you were breaking for people in corrientes. As long as they won't call me just a leather bridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you take me. Uh, yeah, no problem. Corrientes. <laughs> No, pero es real, es real. Por ejemplo, lo de las se usan, o inclusive en los lugares que hay mucho humedad se usa mucho el hierro, porque el, el roja no, no dura, porque permanentemente están mojados. Yeah, they, even though uh, roja is good, but in areas where it's so wet, it's not, oh, yeah. uh, it doesn't last. So mm -hmm. sometimes they even use uh, metals. 
Y después, no, claro. eh, en cuanto a... Nosotros le hicimos el recado que vendría a ser la montura de acá, también hay distintas áreas y distintas formas. A veces son más altas por los lugares, de arzones más altos por los lugares... The that they use, which is what will be similar to the saddle that uh, is used here in the United States, is called recado. And depending on what region of the country and the topography of that part of the... Uh, más alto, más bajo. It's oh, going to yeah. be higher or lower. No? Oh, yeah. Just like here. This, es lo que digo, o sea, cambian cambian los, los estilos de las cosas, pero es lo más parecido que yo encuentro, es eh, en realidad lo que encuentro más parecido al, al, al más parecido son el gaucho, el cabo y el australiano y los yeah. tres pasa lo mismo distancias, soledades y, y, yeah, y there's a lot of, despite the uh, distances between them but uh, there's a lot of similarities between the uh, uh, cowboys here in the United States, the gauchos and the Aussies I mean, uh, they, they're good stockmen. I mean, why? Because they have to cover vast tracts of land. Uh, sometimes ejemplo, they their own lots Argentina, Argentina, and they have to be passionate about the horse. Argentina, que es largo, tenemos pegado, pegado. Eh, eh, tenemos el país de Chile, yep. que allá en vez de gaucho se llama guaso. Yeah, in Argentina, uh, or adjacent to Argentina, la you división, have Chile. La división de los Andes, the ¿no? Chileans, uh, the Argentina and sin embargo, Chile sin embargo el, el, el guaso chileno, yo no me siento, no lo encuentro tantos yeah. parecidos he al gaucho. Have, he doesn't have the same uh, connection with the guaso no. from Chile. No, yo me siento más identificado con el cabo. Y, he y, identified so more with the cowboy. ¿Por qué? Yeah. Porque la topografía chilena es completamente distinta a las pampas argentinas o como pueden ser acá las yeah. grandes extensiones. ¿no? Yeah, the, uh, the Chilean landscape is a lot more different than the pampas or what he had seen here in the United States. Se parecen a lo mejor, similar. se parecen estéticamente, pero los usos y las costumbres son mucho, mucho más diferentes yeah. que la que puedo tener yo con los, con los cabos. Yeah, the aesthetics are somewhat similar. But the applications of the tools of the trade are totally different <laughs> from the waso to the uh, gaucho. Right. What about the government? What's the what's the form of government in Argentina? ¿Cuál es el gobierno? ¿Cómo está el gobierno en Argentina? ¿Qué tipo de no, gobierno? No, no es un gobierno al, cuyo, al cual yo estoy de acuerdo. I'm not sympathetic with the uh, uh, current uh, government regime. Porque es un, un gobierno que sí y aparte de eso corrupto, absolutamente corrupto. Uh, there's a lot of corruption and they lean towards a y, socialist uh, ideology. Y están logrando que, que destruir el país porque estamos en una situación muy muy difícil económica. They have uh, managed to divide or polarize the uh, population of Argentina. Um, by doing so, they are destroying the country. Yes, much like they're. Aparentemente, aparentemente, in the próximas elecciones, que es el año que viene, esta gente la no, por lo que dicen las estadísticas, no van a volver a ser gobierno, pero han dejado un país muy dañado. They have presidential elections uh, next year, and uh, they, uh, uh, the, the, the general uh, consensus is that they're going to be. Voted out. The problem is that the damage is done. Argentina is a country that's been in power for too long, and it's going to take uh, decades, probably, to recover what Argentina used to be. It's a country very rich because it has everything. It has all the climates. It has petrol. It has minerals. It has Argentina is a very rich country. I mean, it has four climates. It has minerals. It has oil. It has the coast. Pero lo, los gobiernos estos socialistas se han, lo han destruido, pero... But the socialist governments have done a lot of damage. Yeah. 
Quedó claro que no estoy de acuerdo con este gobierno. Uh, it's pretty damn clear that he's not in cahoots with the government. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you can go back after watching after they watch this podcast. Sí. Well, oh, we'll, we'll let him get home for we are. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, Jay, you got anything else for the guys? Oh gosh, I was just thinking of something and I forgot. Uh, do you see much difference, say, in our government and society? When you go from Argentina to the United States, is there? Eh, si encuentra diferencia. Decirle que en realidad, eh, si ustedes tienen un gobierno socialista, no tiene ni para empezar lo que ya han hecho allá. Esto es porque a, a pesar de que acá hay un gobierno que puede haber un gobierno socialista, le, por ejemplo, las cámaras de diputados y senadoras no permiten que cambien el rumbo allá. Esta gente. Lo que hizo bien el anterior lo cambian totalmente, yeah. totalmente. The, despite that, that we're uh, heading in that direction of uh, socialist uh, type uh, government, it's nothing like it is in Argentina. Every time there's a new elected president, they change everything, and it just causes all kinds of turmoil and disruption to, para the, que tengan uh, una idea, to the economy and to the citizenship. Para que tengan una idea, just to este give año, an idea. en un año. Eh, la inflación fue del 100%. Uh, just this year, the inflation is up to uh, almost 100%. Really? Uh -uh. Oh, gosh. We think we got it, baby. Oh, no kidding. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally out of control. Oh, you bet. I tell you what, we, as much as some complain, we're still, God bless the USA. Yes, yes absolutely. God bless America. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, we really appreciate you making the trip over here to visit with us today. A couple of really interesting guys, for Thank sure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We've really awesome. enjoyed having you. Thank for you. Sure. Yeah, thanks for coming to Osage County. Gracias, Jay. Yes. yes. See, thank, thank you. you. Jay, thank you. You really did a good job filling in today. Cody might not get his job back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could never fill his shoes. Yeah. I wouldn't even try. <laughs> well, you've been listening to another episode of uh, Cowboys of the Osage podcast. Uh, tune in every Thursday for new episodes, and thanks for listening. Have a Thank great you. day. Oh, yeah. Old stories like long lost friends. Rodeos and late night bends History before our time Round pens and pasture rides Cowboys of the Osage